Oncology Systems Limited are the leading provider of radiotherapy ancillary equipment in the UK and Ireland. Serving the community for over 22 years, we pride ourselves on exceptional service and quality products. Please take a moment to visit our website www.osl.uk.com and take a look at our product lines, which include macromedics for patient immobilisation and IB dissymmetry for all your radiotherapy quality assurance needs. We are more than happy to take your questions, so please do get in touch via our website or email inquiry at osl.uk.com and one of our specialist team will be available to assist you. Hello and welcome to Rab Chat. My name is Joe McNamara and I'm joined by fellow hosts named Jolka Anderson. Hi everyone. So here we are at UKIO in Liverpool and we're joined by another fabulous guest. Can you introduce yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Leah Melabianaki and I'm the Radiotherapy Review Specialist at Royal Free Hospital in Hampstead in London. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I have to say, for people... <laughs> For people listening, you said this experience was like waiting to jump out of a plane. Yeah, I'm so nervous. <laughs> so hopefully after the podcast is finished, you'll realise it is just a chat and nothing to be too nervous about. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your role, what is it that you actually do day in, day out? So um, essentially I review patients on treatment, um, providing emotional support but also side effect support and we've also done a lot of work on kind of prehab so we've um, the reason I'm here actually is because I submitted a poster about some patient education sessions that we set up um, in collaboration with Maggie's at Royal Free as well. Amazing. Um, so we do a lot of um, yeah pre-support, on-treatment support and then also um, you know for a number of weeks afterwards. Um, so within my role, I also do a um, post-radiotherapy clinic six weeks after treatment has ended, um, where we kind of write letters out to GPs as well, just to update GPs on, on how the patient has managed and any ongoing care that they might need. So really, really varied role. Um, love it, really interesting, so yeah. And is it just purely breast cancer patients that you specialise in specifically? So no, um, myself and my colleague, we actually cover all the sites. So we've got two LINAPs and um, yeah, we cover all the sites that we do, um, including chemo rads as well. So it's a quite a full on role, but it's great. We, we get, you know, to just expand our knowledge all the time. So, which is great. So in, well, we have lots of listeners across the world, so review rate droppers, they're not that common everywhere else, because we usually yeah. provide nursing colleagues or doctors. Here in the UK we have information support or review rate droppers. Do you find that you have a lot of crossover between both? Yeah, I would say definitely. I think part of that probably is working in quite a sort of small department where we naturally just cover more of both of the roles. So obviously the sort of education sessions that we do pre-treatment, they are much more um, information and support and education um, focused and then obviously on treatment review where we're dealing with um, side effects that's much more of a what you'd uh, I suppose class as a review round so I think we definitely cross over both of those I would say. And in terms of kind of your role is there an aspect in that rehabilitation space that you think is particularly important that you think more people should adopt nationally? Definitely. I think, you know, I think we've all been in that position where we've met a patient and they feel quite unprepared. Um, 
not necessarily because they've not been given the information, but perhaps they've been given it at the wrong time, there's been too much information in one go. Um, I think the other major aspect of doing the education sessions and what we've seen is that doing it in a really informal environment like Maggie's is able to provide, and we're really lucky to have that, um, is also that time to meet other people in a similar situation and having that peer support between the patients. Um, you know, we as healthcare professionals can't provide that support. It can only really come from other people in that similar situation. So I think it has loads of benefits. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, and we haven't done a study on this, but I'm sure we will find that at the CT planning stage, people are more relaxed and know a bit more what to expect. You know, we use a video to show them what, um, you know, how the LINAC moves, because they've probably never seen one before. You know that kind of thing so I would say we see a lot with rad chat don't we Nathan, from social media so we uh, engage quite a lot with patients on Instagram yeah and essentially what we find is that our patients will contact us to say I'm going for radiotherapy I don't know what radiotherapy is yeah. I don't know how it works and one of our most listened to podcast episodes is what is radiotherapy yeah um, so it's so important from that perspective and even seeing videos whether that be on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, you know, however patients engage, having a preconceived idea of what patients are going to experience, I think, will help. Yeah. Whether it varies ever so slightly from the real, true experience, at least if they know that they're going to have to lie on a really hard couch, or yeah. that the machine will move around them, or it, you know, it doesn't necessarily touch them, but it might come very close. All of that information can potentially help prepare someone. Yeah. for what they're going to experience. Absolutely, I completely agree. I think one of the things that I try and do is actually really emphasise as well, although it's really, really difficult, how important it is to really try and relax at CT. Yeah. Because we know, you know, as someone goes through treatment, they're likely to start relaxing and then we end up potentially getting set up issues. So it's just trying to really emphasise, you know, it's really, really difficult, but just take five seconds when you get on that really hard cold bed and just take a few deep breaths try and move your shoulders relax down and then you know hope just little tips like that which you might not necessarily get the chance in a in a one-to-one -one in a clinic um, and you see people really taking those tips on board and then yeah just sort of chatting about it really sometimes it's a simple thing isn't it? yeah it, really is, and it goes a long way for patients because although to us it's simple to them yeah, absolutely. And we've had really good feedback from, from the patients that have come. And they're also um, able to bring a friend or someone from their family as well, which can be Yeah, exactly. Because then they get that support as well with other people that are there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And also it helps promote our profession, but yeah. also the role that radiotherapy plays. It's just not as well known about, is it, as a radiotherapy, like a treatment technique for cancer, yeah. as maybe, say, chemotherapy or surgery. Yeah, so definitely. It's all, it always helps to spread the word of what it is that we do down yeah. in the basements and departments yeah. in radiotherapy. <laughs>
So we were talking earlier a little bit about your career pathway, and you mentioned that you had some time out of radiotherapy. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah, definitely. So I was a therapy rad for about four years or so, and then um, therapy yes. rad, yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I kind of reached a point where I really wanted to just expand my skills and. At the time, um, a role came up within my trust, within a Macmillan-funded role, and it was an information and support um, specialist. So I went for that. It was meant to be a year secondment, but as with most of these you know, roles, it went on. I think I was in the role for just under sort of three years, and it was great. It just gave me such an insight into um, you know, patients coming back weeks, months, even years later, um, and actually meet them, chatting to them, because you know, within our role, usually the last time, you know, and the last fraction, we don't really get to hear from our patients yeah. again. So, it was just really interesting from that perspective, and actually having time to sort of sit and provide emotional support gave me the opportunity to do a lot of training within that field, which I hadn't had before. And then um, a role came up in a Maggie Centre, um, and it was always kind of like an aspiration of mine to work there so and it was a very similar role it was a um, support specialist role as well and I was there um, for about a year um, and again that just reinforced all that um, new learning that I'd done really and um, I think at that stage I was probably about nearly four years out and I was really starting to miss that sort of clinical touch and it it just happened that this role that I'm in now came up um, which as I said, I just love it. it. It enables me to put both roles that I've done together. Um, and I'm really lucky in that I do get a bit more time than what you do on set to actually be able to have that more holistic kind of talk with someone and provide that emotional support, which I'm really, really passionate about. Do you know what? So, uh, it, it enlightens me because when you were talking about rehabilitation, this is amazing that you're so passionate and motivated about this because when I speak to a lot of therapeutic radiographers that are working in practice at the moment they maybe they know that that is maybe a good idea but mm. they, they don't articulate it the way that you just did with such motivation and passion oh. and the fact that you then said that you went into an information support role it clicked for me going well this is why you're so passionate because you've seen yeah. the impact of being able to provide patients with that level of care prior to radiotherapy and impact the lasting impact that it has on patients. Yeah. Um, so it's it almost I wish every therapeutic radiographer got to have those experiences, whether that's through their training or as a postgraduate experience, to be able to really see the impact that the treatment has on patients. Um, because yeah. I think they would then consider maybe all the Rehabilitation or supportive advice yeah. that they could potentially give patients. Yeah. Really, that'd be great. As I'm a review radiologist, I'd love to have had six months just in Maggie's to understand benefits advice, or then go to different classes, or mindfulness, or just yeah. literally sit there, make coffee with people, and just have a chat. It really is just eye opening because not everyone goes to support services have cancer now. They might have had it in the past, or they go because their partner or their loved one died from it. But they follow that through. That's their grieving process. And you don't necessarily get to learn that when you're in the treatment floor, but even in review, you see patients maybe once or twice in their whole treatment journey, say 15 appointments for example, and you don't see them again. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you've touched on something really important there because I think one of the biggest things that I learned, which to me now seems really obvious, but because I hadn't seen this before, is stepping out of the radiotherapy department, you do see people that are coming back way down the line and actually the support that they need is almost more there at that stage than it is perhaps during the process because they've gone from seeing someone really often daily in our case um, to suddenly just kind of having to go back to normal life in inverted commas and there's a lot of support needed after and there are things out there but it's a that's one of the things that's great about what we've done is we're introducing people to these support services right at the start of, of, the, of the process so they know that they can access them going forward sort of yeah weeks months after i think something so. about prehab and rehab which i know i always say to you because i'm the fluffier side joe i know you hate <laughs> I what hate i say that term. <laughs> <laughs> sorry the more interpersonal skills side holistic so many different types nice of care. fluffy um but yeah just with that, I've got to say that. Oh, we're throwing you off. <laughs> because we literally were talking about the lovely side. Um, but yeah, I personally, from my perspective, I'm a huge advocate for rehabilitation and rehabilitation and the, the role that we play. Um, I'm a Go on then. The, the fluffy side is the, the mental kind of health perspective as well. Mm. Yes, a patient coming for treatment, just like how you felt you're going to come on the podcast episode. Yeah. That initial fear of what's going to happen because you don't know, but then give the right support at that right point from someone in Maggie's benefits advice etc that will follow through into their rehab for their mental side where they can cope yeah. with the whole grieving process or understanding how their cancer treatment is finished but it doesn't mean that you know what they've been through isn't acknowledged anymore yeah patients quite a few people that we've spoken to on the podcast as well they feel like when they finish treatment they're just they're just forgotten about and then they'll have a six week post telephone call for five minutes with an oncologist mm-hmm. that's it Obviously, some places are brilliant follow-ups, but some treatment types don't get anything until they're none of them. Yeah. yeah. Some of them you don't, but at this stage, they just have no follow-up. There'll be open access follow-ups, so they have to contact them, they won't do it. Yeah. And they'll just go to a mammogram, and then they'll say, oh, actually, for the past eight months, I've had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's quite hard. It's a, yeah, it's, it's about having the right type of conversation at the right time. Because during treatment, there's so much going on that, you know, trying to think, how am I going to fit in a, you know, a support group this week when I've got all these, you know, I've actually got a life going on other than coming here every day. How do I fit that in? But going forward, you know, they could meet someone within that support group that could just be their main source of support. And that, that does happen. So I think it is about the right type of support, right time, right person. So... we were working in a more integrated way, we could see how we would link maybe more with their clinical and their specialist yeah. to, to see what information and support they received earlier on in the process. Because I do think there is a, a, a bit of a disjoint between maybe chemotherapy or surgical pathways and then it's almost like, and now over to radiotherapy. Whereas actually if patients were maybe supported fully throughout the whole pathway and given information and support about radiotherapy earlier on in their journey or, or drip fed maybe information how that could potentially help and influence their overall experience but I also think we could support people in a more personalised way if we were able to have interactions earlier on and a, a, a really typical example that I use for my students 
is around a patient who couldn't afford trainers. So people were suggesting that he go and increase his fitness and you know, lose a bit of weight mm. and get more healthy, be prepared for chemotherapy and surgery. And you know, people kept saying the same thing and it was only in an interaction that he admitted that actually, you know, coming to the hospital every day was expensive. You can afford it and the thought of having to go out and buy a pair of trainers yeah. was actually what was affecting him most. And I think it's those interactions, isn't it? And it's so easy to just think, well of course, yes, get do some exercise or stop smoking, stop drinking and you know, a lot of the social prescribing go and seek out a support group, but that's petrol money or that's a bus fare. And it's little things like that that sometimes I think if you have those personalised conversations early, yeah. you would learn you would that know. about your patient rather than a very standardised, right, hey, this is prehabilitation. Yeah. Do you find that in your role that's what adds to the patient journey and experience? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as I said before, I, I, I'm lucky that I have a bit more time than I would have done when you're on the treatment unit so you do naturally have these more kind of in-depth conversations with people and especially sort of through covid and even now where you know patients haven't really seen a lot of their healthcare professionals in real life and suddenly they're you know in a room in a clinic room with a healthcare professional and everything is coming out so you do definitely get to know that person um and a lot of it is how you know you hold that conversation and you allow for those bits to come out which is really really important um, you do get to know about their life and and the impact that everything's having and you get to know about these extra bits like what like you've just mentioned and then you can refer on to you know well there's benefits advisors there's funds available there's you know all these extra bits that perhaps no one has highlighted before um, so yeah definitely Best job in the world, review radar. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely. Anyone I was, listening, if you're technical, yeah. just be a review radar. And if you know, yeah, if you get the chance to do extra bits, like you know, if you do have an area of interest, like psychological support or just yeah, support in general, then I'd say, from my uh, you know perspective, it's really enhanced and I feel actually enabled me to get my current role because yeah. it gave me that extra layer of kind of that I'd done that support, which I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do in my clinical role so if someone yeah. was listening and they're I don't know a recently qualified therapeutic radiographer going yeah I'd quite like to do a round review what does someone need to do so I think we were talking about this earlier actually that you know it's not standardized so everywhere is very very different but I think from my perspective I do feel like I can do a better job than perhaps I would have done before had I not had this step sidestep really into being able to learn about what impact treatment has you know as a whole not just what you're seeing during you know those few weeks that, or a week or one off that the patient is with us so I think I think if you can do that it's a great extra and it does help a lot you have more insight and you are able to then support that patient in a, in a, in a better way sometimes so yeah, I'd say go for it. And then yeah. would you would you suggest anything? I'm gonna say something controversial. Oh, I think no. I think <laughs> training I was forced I'm gonna say forced, not forced, but 
encouraged. Encouraged very strongly <laughs> just to focus on the technical all the time. Mm. The patient care, some people were fantastic at it and I've learned that from them. Some people just didn't care and that's, that's the brutal one truth, I think. But it's not because they don't care about the patient, they just know they need to get people to quickly. Mm. But I don't know, I know you're an educator. My point is, I think there needs to be more about like reviewing patients as part of the curriculum, not just, oh, go in shadow with a one to one press review. Yeah. Yeah. Or our students go for half a day at Maggie's, that's not Because if the support workers aren't free at that time, yeah, you don't see it. And actually, as students, yes, we encourage them to do their own reading, but some of them need a push to actually understand the impact. But we have only recently had students coming to review. Okay. For the first times ever. But the impact that's had on some of them, or they've, all they thought was we just help guide patients to the toilet or something, or we just ordered the COVID um, swabs when we were doing it, that's it. Yeah. And when we actually saw we do a whole, patients come in, unwell, I've done the full assessment, done their blood, got them admitted. That's quite a big step for a regular group to do, especially on treatment, you wouldn't have yeah. time to do that. But I don't think we showcase it enough. I know I'm biased because I love review. No, but yeah, I even from an educator's perspective, I definitely think that there is more that we can do. I think it's the challenges are around clinical placements um, and specifically giving students opportunities. So I think when I was training, I absolutely loved it because I got to go on the ward. Um, it was spent, I spent two weeks on the ward and saw patients being admitted, being discharged, coming in with quite acute um, side effects as a result of radiotherapy or chemotherapy. Actually, that insight I still use now. You know, I'm ref I reflect on some of those patients that I it's saw. It's a bigger picture, isn't it? Actually, that's yeah. such a good point. When you go on a ward, you see how a massive multitude of professionals can have yeah. one patient. Yeah. Whereas we're just in great therapy. Yeah. It's the bigger picture. I think people don't see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there is definitely. Well, there might be changes, but anyway, as part of the HPCC, HCPC standards of proficiency and yeah. how that maybe some of the curriculum design um, and I know that from a workforce perspective as part of UKIO we're having those conversations aren't we? Yeah, uh, when, yeah go on. When you were training yeah. were you exposed to review? Um, not really, no, but okay. I have Best to point, yeah. Uh, but I'll we, take it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> I, I would say not really, not from memory, and it was very technical. I mean, you had that massive portfolio you had to get through. You know, you just, you know, you're doing that. But we, where where I work now, so did, did I mention I'm at Royal Free? I can't remember. Royal Free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Um, Royal Free. <laughs> um, our students spend a week with us, and I always get asked. Um, so, are you are you a radiographer? And also, like, oh, what, like, towards the end of the week, it's like, what did you have to do to do this? Yeah. So they are, you know, they, they do get interested. And, and um, you mentioned about Maggie, so yeah, our students get to come along to our patient education sessions, they get to see that. Um, and yeah, they get to spend time there. Any, any new members of staff as well, we take over there as well, just try and get that support in earlier. So. Yeah, and I think that is a perfect point, maybe, to end on as well, is being autonomous, but it's also the managers giving staff time to actually experience other areas of ecology that will effectively make them better practitioners and, and support yeah. for their patients. Yeah. So. Right, well, considering you were really nervous, I think that was one of our longest podcast yeah. episodes. So. You feel like you jumped out of a plane now? <laughs> I feel quite calm, I'm quite zen now. <laughs> I went really quick. Thank Perfect. you. Well, thank you so much for joining us.